chapter chapter 34 i wake up with worry weighing on my chest heavy as a tiger i waited in the basement for almost an hour but she never showed up i never felt that pull right below my heart that unsettling sense of impatience that told me she was waiting if she's mad about what i said if i wished her away and she won't come back to the basement i have to find her somewhere else I have to get her back and finish the story as before there's more consequences before the worst consequence. I'm distracted for most of the morning, but after breakfast, mom tells me to get dressed. It's time to apologize. You'll feel better afterwards, she tells me, and I know she's probably right, but I still take forever to get ready, brushing my teeth for five minutes, braiding, rebraiding my hair. And it's not that I don't want to say I'm sorry, but it doesn't, but it doesn't have to be now. I have other things to think about. Before I go downstairs, I break off a new piece of mugwort and stiff it, stuff it into my pocket. It didn't do much to protect me from the tiger, but maybe it'll protect me from awkward conversations. And then I lift the camo hat from my dresser. I have to return it. I hold it in my hands and try to ignore the sadness inside me, the feeling that something has changed and I can never go back. Mom packs me into the car and drives me to Ricky's. Got to do it now, Lily, she says. If you put things off for later, you'll never do them. They'll become harder and scarier, and one day you'll realize you've run out of time. I don't answer. Absentmindedly, I fiddle with the mugwort in the po in my pocket, letting the crinkle and crunch soothe me. Mom glances over. What's that noise? I freeze. I'm not exactly sure how Mom would feel about the mugwort, but knowing how she reacts to most things from Halmony... Probably not well. Nothing. Her eyes narrow. Lily, show me what's in your pocket. Hiding it isn't worth the fight, so I pull it out and hold it flat on my palm. She frowns. Is that mugwort? Yeah. Mom turns back to the road as she drives and sighs. <sighs> I'm assuming that's from Halmony? The tone of her voice is a warning, but I say, yes. There's an herbal remedy that Hominy's been taking. It helps her with nausea, but some people think it causes vivid dreams and nightmares. None of this is evidence-based, of course, and it's not. But it's not dangerous. But you don't need any more stress. Oh, I look back at the shriveled herb in my palm. I haven't dreamed anything weird, unless the tiger was all a dream. But no, the tiger was real. I know she was. I'm fine, I tell her. Hominy said that this was protection. Mom purses her lips, the picking her battle's fa fa face. Okay, just be careful. Don't eat it or anything, she says. Then, here we are. Mom parks and we all walk past the fancy bushes and ring the fancy doorbell, and Ricky's fancy dad answers. Joan, he says. Nice to see you again. Mom grimaces. And I really, really don't want to say anything to Ricky's dad, but... When something's wrong, you have to fix it, especially when it's wrong about you because of you. Don't blame my mom, I tell him. She's a very good worker and doesn't do strange things. Mom looks like she can't decide if she wants to hug me or hide behind the rabbit bush. Ricky's dad almost smiles. <laughs> I recognize that. I know what it's like to have a strange child. I'm not sure how to respond to that, but I'll take it as a win. Speaking of strange kids says and then calls back into the house ricky please take your friend to the den the phrase take your friend to the den has a bit of murder vibe in it 
but when Ricky shows up, he looks sheepish. He's wearing a plain black baseball cap. It's the most normal I've ever seen him. He gives me an uncertain wave and then leads me into the blue-themed living room. It's basically the same as the red room, only a free few degrees colder. I shiver. Ricky sits on the couch and I join him, settling into the opposite end. The cushions are lumpy and hard, and I feel like I should push my shoulders back and sit with proper posture. Here's your hat, I say, holding him, handing him the top hat. He takes it without meeting my eyes and sets it between us. Thanks. Ricky digs a toe into the rug, looking up at the ceiling, then down at the floor, even though there's nothing interesting to see. I clear my throat multiple times. There's nothing more awkward than your parents forcing you to interact. It'd be fine if I'd come to apologize on my own, but this is weird. On the scale of awkwardness to busy silence, this one is want to disappear level bad. I force myself to speak. I'm sorry about the mud. Ricky exhales. I'm sorry too. About the stuff we said about your grandma. I mean, your harmony. I blink at him confused. I want you to feel more comfortable, so I'm using the Korean word, he explains. But I can stop if you want. I don't know what you want. What do you want? Oh, I, I say, it's harmony, not harmony, but yeah, you can call her whatever you want. I didn't expect him to apologize, and now I don't know what to do. He swallows. I apologize for judging your culture and for being intolerant of other beliefs. I created a hostile environment and he frowns like he's trying to remember his lines and then he sighs and crumples looking at me with pain on his face i'm really sorry my friends and i can get can kind of be the worst sometimes i know my dad thinks that and i'm sure my teachers do too and you know everyone i bite my lip ricky's dad seems nicer than he did in the grocery store but it's still sad that ricky feels that way he takes a breath and continues but we really do think your hall money is cool. Everybody in town does. And I think feel really bad that she's sick. I feel really bad that I said she's sick. Sometimes my mouth just keeps talking, even when my brain knows it shouldn't. Can't help but smile. Thanks, I say. I didn't realize how much I was hoping to hear that. How much of a relief it is to know he doesn't think harmony is creepy or scary or whatever. I don't think you're the worst, and I shouldn't have fed you mud. I mean this mostly, but if Halmany's right about the spell, it might not be so bad for him. He shrugs. Eh, mud has vitamins, probably. I've eaten worse. Oh, a worm, he says. Only once, though. And also another time, a raisinette that was definitely not a raisinette. I'm still not sure. Well, never mind. I wait to see if he's joking, but he's serious. I fight back a smile. But still, sorry, it's not like me to do that. And then I correct myself. Or I guess it is, but I didn't know that until now. It's okay, he says. Let's stop apologizing now. Apologizing is awkward. I tug at one of my braids. Do your friends hate me? He laughs. They think you're super cool. They kept referring to you as witch girl. But not in a bad way. Anyone who does something like that. Anyone who does something like that is probably worth knowing. I sneak a glance at him. He's staring at me, but he looks away fast. His cheeks go splotchy. In that moment, I don't feel like an invisible girl. But I also don't want to be known for putting mud in someone's pudding. 
I wonder if there's a way to be a visible person and a good person at the same time. Is that going to be my reputation in school now? I ask. He tilts his head thinking, well, yeah, but only to the next big thing. Then, after a moment, he adds, I think it's nice that you're doing something to help your harmony. He still says it wrong, like hail Moni. But he's trying, and I appreciate it. He looks at his feet before saying, I wish I did something more for my mom. His used to, oh, his used to mom. Before I thought he'd feel better if I ignored that. But now I think talking might be good. I'm sorry. Is she? She's not dead. She left last year and we haven't heard from her since. I wonder if somehow that makes it worse. Would I feel better or worse if dad had just left? If instead of crashing, he just kept driving and never turned around. Feels wrong to think about that, but I can't help it. It's weird to think about how I could be a different person if I had Ricky's life. In a different life, how much would I change and how much would I stay the same? Ricky continues, but I think, like, maybe if I did more to make her want to stay, she would have. She was a stay-at-home mom, and she was always helped me with homework and stuff. Except these past couple of years, I started getting better at school, so I didn't really need help, and we didn't hang out as much. And maybe she thought I was fine without her. Oh, I'm really sorry. Suddenly, his self-sabotaging over the language arts test and the tutoring made sense. He shrugged. Uh, you don't have to say sorry. Everyone says sorry, but that doesn't help because it's not their fault and they can't fix it. Well, I know that sometimes people feel trapped in their own skin and they have to leave. It's part of them, and I guess you can't control that. I think of the tiger mother and the tiger daughter. I think of mom and Sam. I think of Harmony. I almost don't trust myself to speak without my voice wobbling, but I say, sometimes, no matter how much you want people to stay, you have to let them go. Ricky looks sad, but he smiles. He gives me a real smile. I've never had a friend who got that before. Me neither, I tell him. It helps. And in, this, and in the spirit of getting it, I ask, Do you ever feel like parts of you are changing in a way you don't really understand? When he makes a face, I realize horrifyingly that it sounds like I'm talking about puberty. Quick, fast, I clarify. Not like, never mind, I mean, like, you don't know who you're supposed to be anymore, and you want to figure out who you are, but you really don't know how, and you're scared that you won't like the answer. He clears the, his throat. Uh, that's a deep question. I don't know. I don't feel like I have to figure that out yet. That's for when you're, like, 30, and you have a midlife crisis. Yeah, I say, even though I feel a flutter of embarrassment. I must sound so weird. He shrugs. But, I don't know, sounds kind of like what happens in comic books. The hero is just a regular person until suddenly the world needs them. And they have powers and a cool suit, but underneath it all, they're still trying to figure it out. They're still scared. A strand of hair escapes my braid and I tuck it behind my ear. And what then? What do they do? He shrugs. They save the world anyway, even though they're not ready. And then they get stronger, and then they learn who they are as they go along. I nod. It's comforting that not even superheroes have it figured out. But at the same time, of course, they save the world. They're super. I think that's how you figure out who you really are, Ricky said. You do 
you do new brave things and you find out who you is and not you situations. Does that make sense? Maybe, I say. He grins. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter for us anyway. We don't have to worry about, you know, the meaning of life. The only thing we need to worry about is what's in our pudding. I laugh. After spending so much time worrying, it's nice to be around someone who isn't afraid. Someone who believes that good things happen. Wait, I say, one more question. So, if the hypothetical tiger trap didn't work, what should I do next? His eyebrows shot up. Okay, I know you vetoed the whole raw meat thing, but hear me out. Oh boy, I say, fighting back a laugh. He continues. Technically, yes, raw meat is going to start smelling bad after a few hours. And technically, yes, it may attract unwanted non-tiger creatures like rats or raccoons. Those are both fair points. But what would be worth but what but would that be worth it to accurately recreate a hypothetical tiger trap? I mean, maybe. Probably. Yes. Yes, I think so. Unfortunately, I'd already tried to bait with the star jars. I don't think bait is the answer to the problem. His eyes narrowed. You know, this hypothetical stuff is getting pretty suspicious. If there's a real tiger, you know, you have to tell me. Friends don't let friends miss out on tigers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not real. Sorry, I smile, and he sighs in disappointment. Well, I guess you could try making the trap somewhere else, because no offense, but it's pretty unlikely that a tiger would just, you know, wander into your basement. Like my great-grandfather used to go on these big hunting expeditions in the wilderness of Siberia, because that's where tigers like to be. I nod, thinking. Not saying you should go to Siberia, obviously, he says, but if you do, you have to take me. I grin. Okay, I will, I promise. His smile fills the whole room. We're gonna have so many adventures, Super Tiger Girl. Chapter 35 The tiger isn't there. I'm standing in the basement in the middle of the night, but again, it's completely empty. Where are you? I hiss. I get nothing in response. In my hands, I hold the final star jar. I don't know what to do. So close, but I can't save Palmini without the tiger, and the tiger is nowhere to be found. This isn't how stories are supposed to end, right before the hero saves the day. This isn't fair. I consider what Ricky said about going to the tiger, but where would that be? This tiger did just walk into my house. Where else would she go? Frustrated, I leave the basement, and I'm just tiptoeing past the bathroom when I hear a familiar voice. Noise. A sound like rolling thunder. I push the bathroom door open and see Hominy. She's sick again, but she flushes the toilet, lowers the lid, and sits on top of it. Come to me, she says. So I do. I set the star jar on the floor, and I perch next to her on the tub. I hear about the mud, she says, as she dabs a wad of toilet paper at her lips. I shake my head and ready to be done with this whole mud thing. I already apologized to Ricky. It's fine, she sighs. You are a little mini-me. I, I don't think that's so good. But I want to be like you. She balls up the toilet paper in her rice paper hands. How many make mistakes sometimes? My life not good to follow. Your life's better. But no, no, she interrupts. Lily, my life long, long ago 
is growing up in a small village, so poor. We have no money. We have no food. My mom leaves the country when I'm so little, and as soon as I can, I come here to find her, but I never do. That is a sad story, little egg. Gently, I take the toilet paper from her hands and toss it into the trash. That's why you stole from the tigers? That's why you hid your stories away? Because they were sad to think about? She looks down at her empty hands, so delicate and fragile. She's lost a lot of weight. There's not much of her left. Lily, when I tell my story, I am sad. So much of our family story is sad. And more than that, so much of Korean people's story is sad. Long, long ago, Japan and United States people do wrong things to our country. But I don't want to... I don't want to give you sad, angry stories. I, want to pass, I don't want to pass you those bad feelings. Listening to her talk, I realize there is much of the world that I don't know. So much of my history and so much of me. But I will learn it. Because even though the tiger stories upset me, I'm glad that I've learned them. They made me feel like the world is huge and I am filled up with it. Like I could hear the stars and listen. So maybe Hominy is wrong about hiding the sad things. I've never thought she was wrong before. But Hominy, keeping those stories secret is the bad thing. Because all those things still happened, even if you don't talk about it. And hiding it doesn't erase the past. It only bottles it up. She rubs my shoulder. I think better to forget. No, Hominy, I want to hear your stories. If you didn't tell me the story about the stars and how you found the tiger cave, a pause as something dawns on me. Wait, how did you find the tigers? How did you know where to go? Where the tiger, where the tigers like to be? I go where they keep their stories, at the top of the mountain. I blow out a hot breath. Siberia, top of a mountain. None of that helps me. I scoot closer to her, desperation roiling inside me. The tiger came to me, Hominy. And she said if I freed all the stories, if I opened up all the star jars, then you'd be okay again. Her forehead crinkles. What are you saying, star jar? This. I spring up and lift the jar off the ground, holding it out to her. The jar you put the stars in when you stole them from the tigers. She shakes her head but and does that squint, like when she's lost something in her memory and can't find it. No, little one. I think I get those here from a fly market. Fly market? I blink, trying to decipher her words. And then, oh, you mean flea market? You found them at a flea market in Sunbeam? She nods. Yeah, yeah, flea market. One by the coast. No, I say, holding the star jar close to her face, like I can force her to remember. They're from Korea. You hid magical star stories in them, and you hid them in the boxes. That's why you were so nervous about moving the boxes, because the jars are magic. Everything's a little bit magic, Homie said slowly, but those are just jars. I shake my head. Maybe she's having one of her forgetting episodes, because this doesn't make sense. These star jars are magic. They have to be. Lily Bean, she murmurs. Her eyes are clear. This isn't like her other episodes when she looked all foggy, but I don't understand. I don't know how this is possible. I opened the first two jars and the tiger told me the stories. There's just one left. And once I get to the end, you'll be healed and I can save you. 
I, uh, she takes my hand in hers, rubbing li- her, my lifeline like she always does. Lily Bean, I don't need saving. I'm not scared anymore. But this will work. The tiger said. Tigers speak in tricky ways, not always meaning what they want, what we want. I shake my head because I don't want her to speak in confusing tiger-like riddles. I want her to listen. You don't get it. This is your last chance. I have to do this. You have to get better. Her eyes are so dark, so shadowed. No, you stop. You listen. This is the end, Lily. This is my time. You can't just give up, though. I yank my hand away from her. She can't pretend to comfort me when she's really saying horrible things. She looks down. When I was younger and missing my mom, I used to think she is a monster for leaving me. I used to be so mad. But now I understand. Sometimes you have to leave, you little ones, even though we don't want to. Sometimes you know it's time. But it is not time, my voice cracks as I shout out anyway. You have to keep fighting. You're supposed to be strong. Hominy winces like our conversation physically pains her. There is too much fighting already. No more of that. I squeeze my eyes so tightly that I can see stars exploding behind my eyelids. But I've worked so hard. I'm so close. There has to be a point to all of this. There has to be a happy ending. Go to bed, little one, she says softly. No more.